0: Music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. You can deny all the things I've seen, all the things I've discovered, but not for much longer, because too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind, in the Twilight Zone.
3: It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard I'm Ryan Gable, your host, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings radio broadcast right here on The Fringe FM. The fringe.fm is the network website, our website, www.fm.org the And if you'd like to contact the broadcast, you can do so on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the secret or find us through your email by messaging R D G A B L E at Yahoo.com The last couple of nights Monday through Wednesday of this week, we had a big show on Monday with Don Lester and David Parker about what really makes you ill, their monumental new book about health, about disease. It's a really great book. We've talked a little bit about it on the ensuing shows after Monday's broadcast. On Tuesday and Wednesday this week, did a solo show called Masters of Our Domain, I Have the Power, one of my favorite promos. I've got a edited image of He-Man, Masters of the Universe, holding up a fork rather than a sword, so we talked about health on Tuesday. And we talked about health again last night. It's kind of been like Shark Week here on The Secret Teachings, but we've been doing Health Week. We had Mike D. on the show last night to talk about fat, sick, and poorly fed. Some people recognize that was a play on a documentary about juicing fat, sick, and nearly dead. So, All week, we've had a lot of health-related subject matter, and tonight, I'm not really sure what we're going to get into, but we do have another guest this evening. Charlie Robinson is with us. Some of you might know Charlie Robinson, especially those of you who listen to the Kev Baker show on occasion. His book, The Octopus of Global Control, I was making the promo tonight, and I'm, I'm looking at the cover, The Octopus on Top of the Earth. And I remember a conversation that I had at a conference a couple of years ago. I think it was back in like 2017, maybe 2000. It was 2017. And we're sitting around this this table. It was out in uh, Joshua Tree, California. And I think it was like Brad Olson, Clyde Lewis, myself, and then a few other people were there. My friend uh, Teresa, who's been on the show before. And we're sitting there talking, and Clyde and I got into this conversation about about aliens. And we started talking about how, of all creatures, scientists... There was a study actually published on this in 2018. Scientists think, they suggest, they imply, that of all the creatures on planet Earth, that it might actually be the octopus that is the most alien-like. Now, when that study was published in 2018 in the journal Progress in Biophysics and Molecular Biology, of course it was very controversial, just like Charlie Robinson's book. It was controversial because a lot of people thought that the scientists were saying octopuses are from space, they're from somewhere else. But no, they were saying that it's like they're from somewhere else because they're so sophisticated, their nervous system's, their eyes, the ability to camouflage themselves. Some of you might have seen the videos you can put like an octopus in a in a container and it unscrews the lid. seen videos of an octopus just crawling across the floor it can open a door highly 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 intelligent. So a lot of people thought, well maybe that was you know that was implying that these members of the octopus family. They came from space, but no, the scientists were just saying that they were they were alien-like, just very, very sophisticated, very advanced, very intelligent. So I went back and I read that article today, and as I'm reading through it, again, this study published in Progress in Biophysics and Molecular Biology, I was reading about the, the octopus and how large their brains are and all these other things, and uh, again, it I was reminded of it because I knew Charlie was coming on the show tonight, and that's his book, The Octopus of Global Control. And the tentacles refer to the military, government, covert, physical, financial, media, spiritual, and scientific, the different aspects of this control system. And I find it interesting because an octopus is kind of very alien-like. And it feels like more and more, whether your background is a Christian You could be a Muslim, you could come from Europe, you could come from South America. I talk to people from all over the world, and it seems like more and more, the only conclusion that people are able to come to is that those individuals in positions of power that represent the suction cups on the tentacles of this octopus, military, government, scientific, etc., that they are not necessarily alien in the sense that they're little green men inside of suits or reptilians with human skin, but that they are alien to the rest of us, at the very least, metaphorically speaking. Perhaps, though, they are possessed by something supernatural beyond this realm. It seems like more and more, Charlie, Charlie Robinson, our guest tonight, it seems like more and more, Charlie, that we are only able to come to the conclusion that the people that are a part of this global system of control that are part of the octopus, that they, they've got to be alien, at least metaphorically, maybe more than that. I don't know. Welcome to the show. Charlie Robinson here on The Secret Teachings. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. How are you doing? It's good to be back.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm doing excellent. I've just got all these things going through my head about the octopus and what it represents. And yeah, yeah. that's that's your work.
1: Yeah, well, you know, the cover uh, art for the book actually comes from the National Reconnaissance Office, uh, nrol 39 which is a spy satellite that they launched, and it had that logo on it. I changed up the colors on it to make it red, white, and blue, but it had a yellow octopus on it, and the text above it said, Nothing is beyond our reach. And I thought, wow— you're just going to go ahead and spell it right out for us with that spy satellite that you're launching aren't you so i took i, I borrowed uh their image for that i thought it was appropriate and it's interesting because the the octopus and, and by no means was i you know the originator of the concept of the octopus and one of the quotes that i use in my book is from john francis Hyland, who was the mayor of new york city in 1922 and he talks about this octopus that has its tentacles and everything. And he says to, you know, to move away from mere generalizations, I'm referring to the Rockefeller standard oil interest. And he described them as being the octopus. So the, the symbology has been around for a long, long time. Um, wasn't, wasn't me. Danny Casalero wrote a book called the octopus of course. And, but it's an interesting, I I found it to be a, a great, uh, symbolic reference to these people. It's very smart it has the ability to camouflage itself change colors change textures it has a, a beak a very dangerous beak that's hidden underneath it you don't see it till the last second and by that you know by that time it's too late it's got a hold of you It'll spray ink, as we all know. Uh, they're very fast, so it will stick stick around and fight if it if it needs to, or it will spray some ink and disappear and live to fight another day. And uh, they've been tested for their intelligence. You know, they've had put them through mazes, and they said that you know an octopus that went through a through a cave maze three years ago. If you put him in the same cave, he can remember, his, you know, his way around. It's fascinating. So they're an interesting animal to study. And yeah, I agree with with the scientists. I agree with you that they are the most, you know, alien-like animals that we have. And one of the component that makes it seem a little bit more alien is their level of intelligence. I think we assume that anything that has gotten off of its planet and traveled across space and found us, you know, and we classify them as an alien, well, they've got to have a certain level of intelligence to pull that off. So so you'd have to be a smart animal um, to be thought of as being alien, and, and the octopus certainly fits the bill.
3: Yeah, it's, it's a great analogy between what really controls the world from a centralized mm-hmm. location. And, uh, you know, when you think about aliens, a lot of different ways we can think about that, of course. But in the sense of the little suction cups that I mentioned on the tentacles in military, government, etc. What do you think? Do you think that people are actually possessed, invasion of the body snatchers? I mean, this is strictly an opinion, of course, but I'm curious mm-hmm. to know what you think. Because for me, and I know a lot of people that otherwise, maybe they were religious, they never thought of aliens or something like that, or you know, interdimensional beings or spirits— A lot of people I know are starting to come to a similar conclusion, and that seems to be the only thing that they can all collectively conclude. that This is not human, whatever's making the decisions.
1: I've never had any experience with that myself, but some of the people that I respect um, have told stories about that. I've, I've heard David Icke talk about being at the BBC and sitting in a green room next to Ted Heath while they were both getting their makeup done and that Ted Heath looked over at him and they they looked at each other and that Ted Heath had black eyes, you know, like his eyeballs were totally blacked out and that he looked him up and down, like from the bottom all the way up, and he said that he got really creeped out, you know, a feeling that this guy was not human. You hear Billy Corgan from Smashing Pumpkins on Howard Stern talking about being at a party and watching a guy at the party shapeshift, and Howard pushes him on it like, who was this person? He's like, just a record record industry scumbag and he's you know he didn't want to go into much detail about that so there's there's stories about that and of course people can dismiss that and say ah, get out of here with that nonsense i don't have personal experience with it but do i think it's possible yeah of course i think it's possible i i think there's a lot of things that we consider to be Far-fetched that are that are possible. I think people that have experimented with uh, Psychedelics come to an understanding that there is more to this world than what we can see with our eyes or hear with our ears Or taste or touch. There's another world out there. There's another dimension and It exists alongside us. So is it possible that there are Shape-shifting beings. Yeah, of course. It's possible. Does it sound crazy? Uh, yeah, it sounds really sounds really really crazy. crazy, but I know a lot of things that sound really crazy that are true as well So I can't I'm not going to be dismissive of people that have these stories. I'm going you know I'm interested to listen does it mean that everybody that tells a story about you know people being possessed or Shapeshifting reptilians is telling the truth of course not there's a lot of nonsense out there, but I'm not going to dismiss something just because it sounds a little bit too far-fetched, because I've 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 lived enough to know that um, that if we base our reality on just on what we can see with our little eyeballs that only you know can pick up the visible light spectrum, and, and we and we determine that what we see is only is reality, and and if we can't see it, then it doesn't exist. Well, I think that that is very limiting. I think that does a disservice to. Uh, The amazing nature of reality. I think that we don't have a grip on what is and isn't possible. Um, Not to mention, you know, we've got an active disinformation campaign and a ridicule campaign that has been laid on us by governments and churches and the media for, you know, forever, really. To tell us that we're stupid or we're crazy or we're witches or we're whatever for believing in something that is not traditional, not mainstream, not, you know, not settled science, air quotes. So, you know, there's a lot out there that we don't know. Uh, You know, is, is it possible that people are being possessed? Is it possible that these people are working for a higher, you know, something above them, a more nefarious, evil you know, a group, and you've got guys like Soros and Gates and all these people, and they're sort of the, the underlings that have to do their bidding. I mean, listen, we're getting closer and closer to 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 me feeling that that is um, not just possible, but more likely. And uh, uh, but once again, I got I have to I have to, just dis- use the disclaimer. I've never seen anything like I've never had experiences like this myself. But just because I haven't had the experiences myself does not mean that I'm going to be dismissive of other people that might have had that.
3: Sure, sure. you know, alien just means not from here. We talk about of il- course. illegal alien. An asteroid is an alien. It's extraterrestrial. It's from somewhere else. And also world leaders, people like the George Soros and the Bill Gates, we might consider them in some capacity to be alien because we think very differently than those people do. And that to us is alien. And people that lack emotion, people that are psychotic, Charlie, they're very unable to connect on a human emotional level. We consider that to be very alien. You know, they're, 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 I think it's a pretty good explanation, actually, why we think maybe that these people are aliens or that they're possessed because they're just so different than us in terms of how they think and the ruthlessness by which they carry out their plans or the ruthlessness by the, by the ways they carry out their agendas. So to us, we wouldn't do that, but. That doesn't mean other people wouldn't do it, but it also doesn't mean that they're aliens.
1: For sure. But it also, we, you know, some people will, will try to label that as as being alien because they don't even want to consider the possibility that we, we might just have very defective human beings among us. I, I look at somebody like George Soros and I think to myself, yeah, he's we're not even in the same species, you know, he and I, because I don't. I can't wrap my head around feeling that way. So in order to, you know, it might be easier for some people to say, well, he's, you know, like hardcore religious people say, well, that, that boy's got the devil in him or something like that. (laughs) Right. Right. It could just be that the guy's a jerk. You know, it could be as simple of an explanation as that, uh, somebody like George Soros, I think, I think it's easier. It might be easier to, to assume that he's, um, that he's just another different species of, of, of critter on this planet, because to think of him as being human and putting him in the same category as us, it's like, you know, I have nothing in common with somebody like that. I, I can't, I can't, uh, process, um, waking up every day and going out and trying to use my money to oppress or suppress people or to, you know, um, actively try to start wars that I know will create chaos and kill millions and displace, you know, even more. I, I, I I can't wrap my head around that sort of mentality. So to me, that is, that is an alien way of, of behaving. And, um,
3: right. Well, well, let me ask you this. We've got about five minutes until the first break. What have you been doing? What's Charlie Robinson been doing in the midst of everything that's been going on in the world? I know that when I've got guests lined up on the show, it seems to be what a lot of people want to talk about is what do people think about what's going on? Lockdowns, quarantines, etc.
1: Yeah, I uh, just coincidentally I started a podcast in January. I started working on I the saw idea that. behind. Yeah, started started doing that. Started recording in um, late February and early March, and then everything, of course, kind of happened, and so. While this lockdown uh, started, um, I got to work. I had you know, I had time. so I got to to work recording episodes for the the show, which is called Macroaggressions. It's available on Apple Podcast and Spotify and iHeart Radio. And it's also the video version is available on David Ike's platform, uh, iconic as well, so people can check that out. and And so I've been doing a lot of that. I'm finishing up a book with Jeff Berwick called The Controlled Demolition of the American Empire. And um, we were ready to go to print with it, and the coronavirus situation happened. So we stopped and put our heads together and wrote um, a brand-new chapter for it as well that incorporates that. So I'm glad—I mean, in, in in that sense, I'm glad that we were able to, to add the most current event that we're living through and, and put that into the book. Although, I'll tell you, I would trade— I would trade that for not having to go through this whole experience for everyone because it's been, you know, it's been everything that we've been warning about and having people roll their eyes and, you know, fit us for tinfoil hats and everything. It's every agenda that we've warned of being rolled into one and just this gigantic, if you think of like a gigantic Trojan horse. Being the COVID nineteen situation, and inside it is every nefarious agenda that these maniacs have thought about rolling out on the, to the public, but knew there was no support for, knew that they they couldn't get away with it. But now they're taking another look at it and saying, "Well, how can we? You know, could we roll this out in a way that?" with a, with a COVID-19 slant to it, like, Hey, we've got to do this because, you know, the virus. And, and so it, it's become this, um, I think when, when we look back on this time, we will realize, we, we will say, wow, you know, that virus kept us all in the house, but the most dangerous component of it was all the legislation that came in the year after it, or the years after it under the guise of that. And the reason why I, I, I jumped to that, you know, sort of, thought is is because that's what happened with 911. 3000 people died on, you know, on September 11th, 2001 in New York City and that and that was traumatizing and horrible. But when you look at 911, you can't talk about it without also taking into account things like the Patriot Act and talking about the wars that came about it. So so where we are right now living right in the middle of it is like being on the morning of September 11th, 2001. And where we go with this in the future is, um, you know, I think will be where all of the more devastating components come to from this.
3: Have you heard of the H.R. six, 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 six? The house resolution. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think about that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I did you have to use all the sixes (laughs) in it? You know, that's the first thing I thought it was like.
3: Did, Did you read the the introduction to it, what it allows for?
1: No, I didn't well i I read part of it, but I don't know if I read the summary of it
3: so 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 it basically says to authorize the Secretary of Health and Human Services to award grants to eligible entities to conduct diagnostic testing for covid nineteen and related activities such as contact tracing through mobile health units and as necessary at individuals' residences and for other purposes so. What I found interesting about this, Charlie, was that the World Health Organization a few weeks ago, a representative from the WHO, was giving a speech and said that we might need to go into people's homes, find where the transmission is taking place, and then remove people that may be that might be sick, that may be sick. We'll do it in a dignified manner, though, but remove them from the household. So then the United States pulls funding from the WHO. Bill Gates becomes the primary funder, who's been also behind everything that Fauci has said, and uh, from certificates to vaccines to lockdowns. Soon as Bill Gates says it, Fauci parrots it. So the World Health Organization says this, and it just so happens to kind of coincide with this H.R. 6666, which is exactly what the World Health Organization said we need to do, be able to go into people's homes and do tests and do perhaps, as they say, other things, other purposes, which could mean vaccinations, it could mean a number of different things, it's very vague. I just see, like, a very centralized theme that keeps playing out here, and I find it really disturbing whether it's coincidental, it's some form of self-fulfilling prophecy, or it's just, you know, the usage of the archetype like a sigil, but this House Resolution 6666, or... The Bill of Melinda Gates funded cryptocurrency body-activated system, which is patented 666. And then the quantum dot die they're using is made with luciferous, which is part of the material in the little end of a firefly that allows it to illuminate. So you have all these different references, 666, the mark of the beast, lucifer, archetypes, sigils. There's some kind of power there, and it's very strange that they're cho- it seems like they're choosing to use those numbers, Charlie. I I don't know. What do you think about all that?
1: Soon they'll ha- have us wearing the yellow stars and marched into the ghettos. I mean, it's so it's so, it's so straight out of the Nazi playbook. It's almost embarrassing. And yes, there I think that there's no accidents with these things now for the, for people on the sidelines that are like, Oh, I don't know that, you know, the six, six, six thing necessarily means anything, or I don't believe in that. Well, it doesn't matter if you believe in it. It doesn't matter if I believe in it because they believe in it. It has power to them. It has meaning to them. This is the way they send messages to each other. We're in charge. It's the six six six. We're doing all the mark of the beast stuff. I mean, it's right out. In, it's right. You know, it's right out in, in the open now. And anybody, I think a lot of people on social media are kind of waking up to it. But I think the average person. Um, it's still going to be dismissive of it. They're still going to say you guys are a bunch of conspiracy theorists and worrying about this. Don't you know? Why do you want to kill Grandma, Ryan? Why do you want to kill Grandma so badly? Just take the shot. What's wrong with you?
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know when I look at the when I look at this like the House bill or I look at the uh, the cryptocurrency system or any of the other things, the quantum dot dies, the, the the micro needle tattoos that they've funded Bill and Melinda Gates, the foundation. Going back to 2014, they were financing the development of microchips that would be implanted in you, and it would sterilize you through the microchip. So these are the kinds of things that you, myself, and so many others have been talking about for decades. People were talking about this long before I was even born. And to see it all happening, and to speculate on what is coming based on the patterns of history and what has already happened, in a way, it's almost... It's not an I told you so. It's almost a, it's a solemn, just kind of, I don't know, it's it's like I, I, I just accept it. Like, yeah, we knew this was going to happen. Uh, I think a lot of us are just at the point, Charlie, of, of, of what do we do? Maybe we can talk about that when we come back from break, because I know that's what a lot of people are asking me. What can we do? Yeah, you know, we saw this coming. We knew what was going to happen. History tells us that, but we don't know what to do to respond to this. Do we just acquiesce? I feel that a lot of people just don't have any other choice, they think. They just acquiesce. I don't know. I want to get your take on that when we come back from break. Charlie Robinson with us here in The Secret Teachings. I'm Ryan Gable, thesecretteachings.info. What do we do about all the things that we're experiencing right now? Just having a laid-back conversation with Charlie tonight right here on the broadcast, rdgable at yahoo.com, facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back. If you're looking for something to do while you're quarantined or locked down at home, check out www.thesecretteachings.info for our entire show archive. There you'll find every single broadcast after it airs, and you can download and stream every single one of those shows with great guests and timeless subjects. Right now it's only $35 for a one-year subscription to the archive and a free copy of one of my books with free shipping in the United States. It supports The Secret Teachings, The Fringe FM, and it supports you. You can also check out my three books independently, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and The Technological Elixir. Read reviews and see the books at www.thesecretteachings.info. Whether you subscribe, purchase a book, or you simply listen to the show five nights a week, it's a great way to stay informed and to be entertained. Again, that's www.thesecretteachings.info thesecretteachings.info or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings and shoot us an email at rdgable
0: at yahoo.com You are listening to The Secret Teachings with your host Ryan Gable. To contact Ryan, email rdgable at yahoo.com
2: Hi, Jeremy Scott here from Into the Paranormal, and I'm back live Saturdays at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on The Fringe FM.
0: If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana, complete with hundreds of beautiful images. Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism, and invoking AI. Or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food, lifestyles, and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, then check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in soft cover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings and Fringe FM, but most importantly, it supports you. Truth is out there. There's something out here. And so are we. KTOK Digital Broadcasting, the French FM.
1: Gentlemen, thank you so much for the great work that you guys are doing. Uh phenomenal show, for phenomenal interview, phenomenal questions. And uh, I'd be willing to come back at at any time and uh, explore other topics for discussion. So thank you for having me on today. Hi, everyone. This is Mark Passio from whatonearthishappening.com. And you're listening to The Secret Teachings with
0: Ryan Gable.
3: I'm Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings on The Fringe FM. Thefringe.fm is the network website. Our website is www.thesecretteachings.info. Our email to contact us is rdgable at yahoo.com. That's r-d-g-a-b-l-e at yahoo.com. Charlie Robinson is our guest this evening, author of The Octopus of Global Control. And recently, Charlie, I've been trying to, I know this might sound strange, I've been trying to figure out, I've talked to some other radio hosts who feel the same way, I've been trying to figure out what exactly do I talk about now? I don't really know what to even talk about on on some of the shows. And so I've gotten a lot lot of new and some different, some repeat guests on just to see what they think about it. Um, A lot of listener requests because it's like I'm sitting back I'm watching the show play out every day in real life. So I really don't know what, I don't know what to talk about, but people ask me, what can we do? What can we do? And I tell people to take care of yourselves mentally and physically. You still have a tremendous ability to decide what goes into your body, food, medicine, you know, entertainment, exercise, getting sunlight, things like this that can make you feel good. That can, that that are actually very healthy for you. Um, I mean that's one of the most important things you can do but I don't know what, what do you think I I just don't even know what to do anymore Charlie
1: Well it's an it's an interesting time because it's a it it it's working out to be a very educational um it, it time is, yeah in history people are learning a whole lot um the people if you want to call them to borrow a James Corbett term normies right normies are kind of waking up to this we have this push towards what we've got in the news today which was president trump announcing that when the vaccine is done by the end of the year that he wants the military to roll it out and be able to administer it to everybody. Okay, now that is a first of all it's insane, but it, that is a bridge too far for even the most normie person. So I'm wondering if after this whole thing, you know, is done over the next couple of months when the, you know, these lockouts are lifted, if it does if it doesn't work to In a way backfire on these controllers by them overplaying their hand by them pushing things, you know, as we know, they'll push and push until we stand up for ourselves and we're in America. We're really good about we're really good at a lot of things, but protesting not one of them. We've never been very good about and especially lately. We just don't really I mean we're starting to see some of them spring up here and there and that's a, that's promising. But but I'm talking yellow vest, you know. They did it for a year and every single weekend and there were more and more people. I'm wondering if after we come out of this that maybe we they stir up a hornet's nest of citizens that were just Mindlessly going through their their lives, not paying much attention, turning on the mainstream media and thinking they're getting information. If after all of this, it doesn't wake up a new generation of people to the lies of the corporate media and the governments and big pharma, I mean, then I don't know what will. So this is a very pivotal time for us. I feel like we're at a at a crossroads. It's like, okay, are we going to just bend over and take it, or? Are we going to stand up for ourselves and say, no, 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 no. We vastly outnumber these maniacs. We own their plans are subjective to us. If we decide that we're going to participate, then they win. If we all collectively stand up and say, we're not doing this then they lose. It's really as simple as that. So are we going to do it? If the military is put on the streets to administer vaccines, are we going to stand up and say, we're not participating in this. We're not paying our taxes. We're not watching our nightly news. We're not voting. We're not going to, you know, we're not doing any of this stuff. We are going to we are going to just completely come unhinged. I certainly hope that that's, the, I mean, well, first of all, I hope it doesn't get to that. But maybe this is the kick in the ass that we need. As a nation, because we've been losing our rights and just willfully giving them up since 9/11. And what do we have to show for it? We have more war, we have less rights, we have more government spying on us, we have um, a larger, you know, budget uh, budget deficit. Um, the Federal Reserve and Wall Street are running this country. Like, so at the current rate we're going. We're going to be subjugated anyway, so maybe what this virus did is it just it just ramped it all up and put it right in so front is of our it, face.
3: So is it like for those of us who have been hosting radio shows and writing books, and for all of you who have been talking to your friends and family and spreading information of this sorts for years, is it kind of like now we get a break, and then everybody else gets to gets to learn? It's their turn <laughs> to learn. Is, is it kind of what it feels like a little bit?
1: Well, I think we are more necessary now than ever because we understand, we have the full backstory of what these people do, who they really are and what their, what their tendencies are, what they've done in the past, what, what their, what the trajectory of their power looks like, where we know they're going with this. So it might be tempting for us to say, to sit back and go, now all you people need to wake up and you do the work. But uh, and I hope that everyone does wake up and I hope that they do start to do the work. But we're going to need to channel some of their anger. We're going to need to explain to them. We're going to need to give them the Cliff Notes version of what this means. You know, when, when someone comes up and goes, you know, I don't think that Bill Gates is maybe the nicest person. It's like, yes, you're on the right track. You think Let so? Let me explain yeah. to you 15 <laughs> 15 things about Bill Gates that you didn't know. And maybe you're hunched that maybe that, you know, you don't think he's a good person. Let me explain why you're on the right track. Let me get you nice and pissed off so that you're going to go do something about it. So this awakening, um, if there's no focus behind it, then it's just an awakening of, you know, it's just a bunch of people getting angry. But if we channel it, if we, if you know, guys like you that have radio shows or where I have a podcast or write books, uh, you've got a bunch of you know, the people that you have on your show that are that are doing so, we're actually more necessary now than we ever have been. Because if everyone wakes up but they don't know what to do, then it's, I don't think that that'll be as effective. But now, if we can channel that, if we can educate people, if we can say, listen, you know, I, I got interviewed for this documentary that's coming out through Iconic called Prime for Panic Lockdown 2020. And um one of the things I said in it is that, you know, we we have got to do a better job as the general public of digging into the background of these people that magically show up during crises and are presented to us as saviors. Fauci, Gates, World Health Organization, you know, these organizations that just st- Come onto the stage out of nowhere and start saying, this is how it's going to be. We're going to save you. We're going to do X, Y, and Z. If we don't dig into their background and find out who they are and what they've done, and we just allow them to to step to the forefront and lead us, then we we're going to get what we deserve. And we're going to get led right off a cliff because we don't know who they are. We're making an assumption that because we turn on CNN and we see these guys at the White House talking to the people that they must be good guys or they must be the they must be the world leader in this specific topic. Yeah. Viruses. Wh- but who who are these people? Yeah. Who's we're, Bill we're,
3: where's where's his de- medical degree, Charlie?
1: It, uh, yeah. He must have misplaced it. Um, but just I certainly one. see the, I've seen the video of him doing the polio vaccine drops, the liquid drops into the mouths of the girls in Kenya. You know, I see that where's his medical license for that as he's paralyzing or sterilizing all of these kids. I, you know. I, so when, when people go, well, well, the world health organization told us we got to wear a mask. Do you know who the world health organization even is? Do you know what they do? Do you know who they're tied to? Do you know what their ultimate goal is? That's a global
3: governmental body. We are a sovereign nation. We don't answer to the World Health Organization. Oh. As a government or a people. (laughs) Yeah, we shouldn't. As a government, as a state, or as an individual. That's astounding to me. It's like sovereign it means, well, not even sovereign, just like local government, state government, federal government, the sovereignty of a nation. All of that, we just assume, is overridden because an organization is called World Health. Mm-hmm. The World Health Organization. They, they must know what they're talking about. Maybe they do, maybe they don't, but we're not subject to the World Health Organization.
1: Well, it's a it's a subset of the United Nations, and, you know, they're just uniting nations together. Like you would. It's harmless. If you are creating a one a one world government. <laughs> yeah, har- totally, totally harmless. It's like, but see, it's like, it's like um,
3: building. You ever you ever watch those documentaries or something where they build like an underground underground tunnel, underwater tunnel system. And they got mm-hmm. to put it together in pieces, and you have certain sections that in case there's a flood, it it, it locks off so that the whole okay. tunnel doesn't flood. That's kind of what like individual nations are. If you have no borders whatsoever, then whatever the final dictate is, is what everybody has to abide by. You have individual nations to preserve culture. You have individual nations to preserve various forms of government. Individual nations to preserve some estimate of the rule of law. Because if you don't have any borders and you have a World Health Organization, you have a world government with all the different tentacles, the World Bank, a world court, etc., 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 there is nowhere to go where you can just leave and go somewhere else where they have a different government. The government is the same all around the world. And it's been slowly moving that way for a very long time. I I don't think it's necessarily a result of some... Sinister conspiracy, some malicious conspiracy per se, like some giant conspiracy. I I see it as well as some part of a natural cycle. You have the rise of authoritarianism and then you have the collapse of authoritarianism. I think it takes place in a cycle. And at this point in time around the world and especially in the United States, because a lot of this stuff, lockdowns, etc., it's not happening in every country. It's just happening in a, in a handful of countries, and we don't hear really a lot about Sweden. We don't really hear a lot about places like Haiti. They hardly have any cases, and they have some of the worst slums in the world there, massive um, just piles of trash, and it's just a ter- terrible, terrible, one of the most unsanitary places in the world. They don't have a lot of cases of it. They have other health problems. So there's a lot of inconsistency, and I think that we tend to see—we do tend to look at the world in a global capacity— uh, and it's a natural thing to do that because other humans, we're human. We we connect in that way, and it's that that human nature going back to the alien thing again, Charlie. I think it's that human nature that that the aliens, whatever they might be, even if it's just you know an analogy, uh, they capitalize on that because it's like that that question that you you rhetorically asked me: Do you want to kill grandma? You don't want to kill grandma, do you? It's like, well, do, do you want to you want to you know, stay by yourself in this one little spot. You don't want to branch out into the rest of the world. You don't want to connect with other people. And the, the problem is, I think, for, for, to answer all these questions, any question we have is like the essence of, 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 of thinking, original, raw, critical thinking. Because if you can do that, then when someone asks you that question or when it's implied in media, when it's implied by friends or family, Do you want to kill grandma? Of course course you don't want to kill grandma. Don't you care about the environment? It's like, well, I've already thought of this. Of course I care about the environment. Of course I do. But that doesn't mean a carbon tax is going to solve the problems of pollution. That's a completely separate issue. We need to focus on the real issue, not the perceived issue. So there's a lot of different things that that, that I think are necessary to be able to, to realize what's going on. But the most important is critical thinking. If we don't think critically, and that means without bias and it means objectively no emotion in it we need to think more critically about what's happening that's that's one of the things that i tell people you've got to develop the skills to think critically otherwise you know all the reading in the world all the listening to radio shows and authorities and independent researchers it's not going to matter much because all you're going to be getting are other people's perspectives
1: it's really a good point that you make about the critical thinking and it is fundamental for, to, for us to understand this whole thing. And, and you'll know that because what is, what is happening on social media? They are taking out people that are critical thinkers. They're taught there, there, there is a war against anybody that is challenging the established narrative. So you can tell that they do not want people thinking about this. I've seen those memes. It looks like you've had too much to think, you know, and, and things like that where you're, they're going, they're deplatforming David Icke. They're going after uh, anybody that talks about alternative, anything other than the World Health Organization's diet, you know, uh, uh, official statement on this virus. If you post something other than that on Twitter, then they'll, they'll suppress your tweet or they'll take it all off or Facebook or YouTube has said that they will delete all those videos. So, This is, this is, as Alex Jones says, an information war. It is a war of, of who has the best information. Now I don't pretend to have all of the information, but I'll tell you what I do know. And you know, this as well, and everybody listening to this, if you're listening to the secret teachings, you know, this as well, the mainstream corporate media is lying to you almost every day about almost everything. Uh, They'll throw in some truths there now and then, like any good lie, right? They'll pack it 75% truth, 25% lie just to throw you off. But but I do know that for a fact, that the corporate media is not to be trusted. So when they are coming out in unison and telling you something, my first instinct is to dig in and see what if, you know, check around and, and see why they're pushing a certain narrative and you you mentioned something about you know borders and 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 in all this if you notice over the last couple of years there's been a new narrative push that is if if you talk about not wanting open borders then you're a nationalist and yeah. how dare you you know dirty nationalists and then if you happen to be white then you're a white nationalist on top of that <laughs> so it's like they've demonized they've they, they've gone after you to um, To sort of insult you if you want to enforce the borders around your country, if you want to continue to preserve your culture, uh, things like that. They they, they've been demonizing that where it's like you're you're perpetuating, um, you know. Patriarch the patriarchy. If you, if you want to continue this, you're like, what, what are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. I'm an American. I'm proud of it. I don't think that everybody should just, it should just be a free for all that everyone comes into the country. Like we have some checks and balances for that. As far as immigration, I don't love the immigration system, but let's just say that that's the way you want people to do it. So Am I now you're a Nazi for that? I mean, it's crazy. So we, we've, we've watched the social engineers get involved here, um, through corporate media, through social engineering programs on, on social media. And, and, and it's this battle for, it's, it's really, it's like a battle for your mind. What are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the fear? See, they want you to be fearful because when you're fearful, a couple of things happen. First of all, you make poor decisions because your 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 brain waves are just it, it, you know, you shut off all of the other options for your brain and you're you're really just focusing on survival. And that's great if you're in a situation where you absolutely need to survive, or it's life or death, but if you're trying to if you're trying to get the get to the big picture of this whole thing, that is a really bad place to make decisions from because you're you're limiting yourself. So they don't want you to be anything other than operating from a place of fear so it it, the fear gets ramped up as if it starts to go down from the virus thing and people are starting to get on the beach well uh, unleash the murder hornets here they come you know and then so what's next are we going to it's going to be hurricanes 24 7 is it going to be tornado i mean they're they're going to constantly keep us on this reservation and just bombard us with fear so that we stay dependent on them for the solutions, and I, I don't know about you, but the government solutions are always bad. <laughs> They're never anything that we want to uh, embrace because uh, there's always some agenda behind it. And you know, it, and it's interesting though because we're, you know, I go, I'll go out in public, and it you'll you go to a grocery store, let's say, and almost everybody has a mask on. But when I and I'm not wearing a mask and I know I'm getting dirty looks and I'll see somebody else who's not wearing a mask. And it's like this little nod to one another. Like, I know. Hey, what's up? You know, <laughs> like we kind of feel like we have this um, connection sort of like I'm not falling for yeah, this my, nonsense. My,
3: you know, it's a couple of things you said tonight, Charlie. That one in particular, my friend and guest last night, Mike D., said virtually the same thing. He said he was going to a store and he saw a guy who didn't have a mask and it was kind of a nod. Like, hey, hey, this this guy knows what's up. He also said something earlier that is almost, I mean, verbatim. What I was talking with another friend of mine on the phone today before the show, um, I've noticed that a lot of uh, conversations that I'm having with different people, friends, guests, listeners, it seems to be very, very synced I don't know if that makes sense but it just seems to like it seems to be you people just kind of get it. You just kind of look around and you recognize, "Oh yeah, I'm not going to put on a mask and I'm not going to wear gloves when I go to the store and I'm not going to participate. You know, I'll wash my hands and I'll keep myself, you know, clean and hygienic, but I always do that and I'm going to take care of myself, my nutrition, my health. And if I do that, I'm probably not going to get sick from from anything, really, so i'll I'll, I'll do that, but but it, now it's like this idea that you're harming people if you don't participate. Yet the people that think that you're, you're you're spreading disease and you're going to harm them don't know anything about disease. They don't know anything about health. They don't know anything about you know the little masks that they're wearing, which wouldn't protect you from anything, unless it was blood splatter or some kind of bodily fluid. You'd have to be wearing a respirator. So it's like uh, a—I read this story. Really quickly, I'll share this with you. I'll get your comment. We'll go to our next break. I read this story from 1952, and it was about after the communist revolution in China. The Chinese government spread this rumor— about how the Americans had launched a, a biological, um, I guess you could say it was like a biological attack, but they did it with insects that they said were spreading disease. And now the Chinese government had no proof of this. They just told their citizens, you know, this is, this is what happened. So as a result of that, what they would do is that they would have all the citizens get together in these like work brigades and they would go out and they'd start scrubbing the streets They cleaned sidewalks. They even cleaned, like, grass and trees. They cleaned everything, which in a way was good because a lot of those cities were dirty, but it was beyond excessive. And, of course, you know, chemicals and things that they used made the environment even more toxic and made people sick. So they did that, and then they mandated everybody had to wear a mask. This was in 1952 in China. Everybody had to wear the mask. And then they said, if you want to, you know, help the state, help the party— we're going to issue quotas. And we think that a lot of uh, rats, for example, are spreading disease um, and that these were released intentionally by the Americans. So that's the enemy. And if you want to help the party, go find five rats a week, chop the tails off, kill the rats, chop the tails off, and you bring the tails to the local government offices and you uh, meet your quota, we'll give you a red flag to fly. And if you don't meet your quota... You get a black flag, and you have to fly the black flag. And so if you had the red flag, Charlie, you were considered a good little comrade, a good little member of the state, a good little communist. And if you had the black flag, well, people thought that you were trying to harm them because you weren't doing what you needed to do for the community, for the collective. You were going to make people sick because you were not participating in the acquisition of insects or animal tails or something like that, rodent tails. I mean, this is like a really interesting uh, hi- historical piece I read about what happened in China, but it just it, it is so similar to what's happening today. When this first started, you go into grocery stores and a lot of them are still doing it. It's like a a, a, a intense cleaning campaign. Everybody's got the mask. Everybody's got gloves. Everybody's meeting their quota. And if you don't participate, well then you don't get the red flag. So you not wearing the mask in the store, Charlie, you see another person who doesn't have one, you you know, get, give a nod to each other. You both know what's going on in that regard, but other people, they look at you as if you have the black flag and you're subject to the hatred and to also these people get, uh, legitimately, they're afraid of you because they think they've been told that that you're going to get them sick. So I just think that that element of history is very important as a reference for what's happening today because you hear history repeats itself, of course, but it's more than that. It's that you can look at the patterns of history and then without a crystal ball, they are your crystal ball, you know what's going to happen next. And for all the people that are saying, hey, this is going to be great because you know people are going to become aware of what's going on. They're going to fight against it. Personally, I don't think so. I don't think that it's a losing proposition, but I don't think it's a winning one either. You, Charlie, I w- I would imagine and I know I do, and I know a lot of listeners do, you know where this goes next. We've got plenty of history books that show us where this goes next. And yeah, in the end, it might be okay, but it goes through a cycle. I know what comes next, and I think you know what comes next. Maybe it won't get that bad, but to me, that's kind of like having faith, and I don't really want to deal with faith in a moment where an action, a direct action, could prevent harm to myself or to others. That's why I refuse to wear the mask because I've read the medical literature about the danger of wearing masks consistently. And yet people still tell me, doesn't matter. You know, I want you to wear it because it makes me feel better. It makes me feel worse. I've read the literature. It's not good for me. And it just goes back and forth like that. So I, that, 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 that's just, I'm digressing from the point. (laughs) I'm just saying, I'm just saying like, these are, these are the thoughts that are coming to my head in the middle of all this. We, I don't think we can't rely on faith and other people to protect us and save us. We have to rely on ourselves. And again, that comes back to to critical thinking again.
1: And in China, back in the 52, when they were doing all of that, what would the smart people do? If they were required to turn in five rat tails every month, they would breed rats.
3: They would breed rats. Yep.
1: They would get smart and game the system like we all would. In situations like that. So this authoritarian crackdown on medical, you know, wearing the masks and the scarlet letters, if you think about it, it's actually kind of genius because the best way to police everyone when you're say the government with a limited military and a limited national guard, the best way is to get people to police each other. To, to grow a nation of Karens, a nation of people spying on each other, uh, of social shaming of one another. And it's like a struggle. That, se- it's like a struggle session.
3: That's what they used to do in China. They would shame people in struggle sessions. They'd have events where people would come and they would throw things, they'd spit, they'd curse, they'd scream, they'd yell. And the person who was in the center of that quote unquote struggle session would have to sit there listen to it, take it, and then they would have to write apology letters, and they'd have to verbally apologize for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours for being bad, for doing one thing that the community didn't like. That's exactly what we're experiencing today, this group collective herd mentality that dictates what the individual does.
1: Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, for the, it's for the safety of the community, It's, it's herd immunity. It's all of these things you're putting us at risk. It's genius to, to get people fighting against one another, but it is, um, you know, I, I, I'm sorry, but, and this may sound a bit arrogant, but I feel like I know a little bit more than the herd does about this stuff. Uh, and I'm not willing to just fall in line and follow them because they will march us They'll march us into, you know, this is the mentality that marches you right into getting on the trains, you know, getting on the, getting on the trucks that take you to the trains that take you to the camps. And, um, you know, it's for your, it's for your own good. It's for your own safety. It's for the better, betterment of the community. What are you trying to, are you trying to destroy Germany? Are you trying, you know, all of these things, this is, this is straight out of like the Tavistock Institute, how you control people you know, psychological warfare on us. It's not even so much about the disease anymore. It's it's mutated past that. You know, they say the disease will mutate. Oh, it's mutated. All right. It's become a sociological experiment on all of these countries uh, in a litmus test to see how gullible and how, um, how, how willing we are to sacrifice our rights, our common sense, our sense of self, all of this in the name of. The collective.
3: In the name of and the safety. I, safety I, and I'm, security. I'm not
1: willing to do it. I know where this leads. You know where this leads. You know, and people are all, you know, the, They're it's the last, they're, they're sitting on the train going, how did I get myself in this situation? I can't believe this is happening to me. I can't believe this is, ha- I can't believe I didn't see the signs. Well, listen, we've watched enough documentaries. We see where this goes. If you think your government is somehow going to like, you know, pass on an opportunity to eliminate m- many of us, you're out of your mind. You don't know, you don't understand your history. They do it all the time. The government is the number one leading cause of death, <laughs> you know, for, 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 for in the world, they slaughter their own people all the time. And if you don't think that the United States through their military and media components can talk about. Can, can can whip up 330 million people into a frenzy and get them hunting down anti-vaxxers as being the problem for all. Of, I mean, then I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. It, this is exactly where it's going. It's, this is, we think we've got problems now with this virus. I think that the, the collective response to it by the people, if we don't wake up, um, is going to be even worse than the virus itself, what yep. comes out of this.
3: This is the playbook. This is the activation globally of a one-world eugenics-based technocracy, and you're seeing it from corner to corner, from state to state, from country to country, from individual to individual. The good news is, as an individual, if you stand and you do what you know is right. And I'm not saying based on some morally subjective definition of what's right. But if you stand and say, I'm not participating because and I was thinking of this the other day, Charlie, a mask, sure, it's a mask. And people say, well, it's just a mask. Wear the mask. It's not a big deal. Don't make it. Don't make this an issue. You know, you're not protecting other people. I don't think they understand that, as Mao Zedong said, political power comes out of the barrel of a gun. And if you put the mask on and you leave the mask on, it's a precedent that is then set. And then there'll be another precedent and another precedent and another precedent. And anybody along the way that refuses to participate with the precedences is going to be, as you said, shamed by the collective. And they are going to face the full extent of of that political power, which will come out of the barrel of a gun. And eventually, when people are on that proverbial train, when you get to the very end of the line and you realize, wait a minute, I made a mistake. Well, now there's no one else to protect you. There's no one else to save you. And now the gun is in your face. That mask is the first stage in putting a gun, a barrel of a gun, into your face. That is the only way that a collective society can be organized from the top down. Because the individual, the person is smart. The people, the individuals that make the collective, the collective is stupid. And the collective is a herd that, as you said, will take you over the cliff. And all you have to do to whip the herd into a frenzy is tell them that they're in danger. And you do, like the famous quote from Star Wars, the speech... When the Galactic Empire took over the Republic and the Republic fell. It's for what, Charlie? A safe and secure society. And that's what everybody's being told. It's a safe and secure society. Stay inside. Keep the mask on. Don't go outside. Don't get sunlight. And acquiesce. Obey, conform, etc., etc. We all know how this ends. Some of us are not going to participate willingly. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings Charlie Robinson with us this evening. We'll be back after this break. Don't go anywhere. The Octopus of Global Control is Charlie's book, The Octopus of Global Control.com, our website TheSecretTeachings.info. Stay with us more after this. If you're looking for something to do while you're quarantined or locked down at home, check out www.thesecretteachings.info for our entire show archive. There you'll find every single broadcast after it airs, and you can download and stream every single one of those shows with great guests and timeless subjects. Right now it's only $35 for a one-year subscription to the archive and a free copy of one of my books with free shipping in the United States. It supports The Secret Teachings, The Fringe FM, and it supports you. You can also check out my three books independently, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and The Technological Elixir. Read reviews and see the books at www.thesecretteachings.info. Whether you subscribe, purchase a book, or you simply listen to the show five nights a week, it's a great way to stay informed and to be entertained. Again, that's www.thesecretteachings.info thesecretteachings.info or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings and shoot us an email at rdgable at yahoo.com
0: You are listening to The Secret Teachings with your host, Ryan Gable. To contact Ryan, email rdgable at yahoo.com Alex
2: Hi, I'm Alex Exxon, and you're listening to KTLK, The Fringe FM. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, mythology to alchemy, check out Ryan Gable's book, Occult Arcana, with hundreds of beautiful images. If you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic packs made in the entertainment industry, check out the technological elixir, black goo transhumanism, and invoking AI. And if you want a practical look at food, lifestyle, and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at the secretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and order yours today. It supports The Secret Teachings, you, and The Fringe FM the truth is out there
0: there's something out here and so are we ktok digital broadcasting the french fm
1: hi it's david childress from ancient aliens and you're listening to the secret teachings
0: hey guys it's Giorgio Tsoukalos from ancient aliens and you're listening to the secret teachings with ryan gable
3: Ryan Gable, and this is the Secret Teachings radio broadcast right here on the Fringe FM. The Fringe.FM is the network website. Our website, www.thesecretteachings.info. If you'd like to contact us, rdgable at yahoo.com. That's rdgable at yahoo.com. Facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. Charlie Robinson is our guest this evening. The Octopus of Global Control.com. The book, The Octopus of Global Control. Charlie Robinson with us this evening. And Charlie, I was thinking back to the days of when I did college radio, and I didn't really know a lot about politics or, you know, political preferences per se. And uh, I would talk about things like, uh, you know, let's say George Bush. And I'd make fun of George Bush, and I would talk about things that were in the news, you know, even after his presidency, and people in the community lo- liked it. They laughed at it. They thought it was funny. They enjoyed it. But then when I would talk about Obama, because I saw similar corrupt elements of Obama, and I would do, do shows where I would talk about that, you know, topical things, I realized people got really angry. And I was really naive, Charlie. I didn't understand why. I was like, why are, why are you getting angry? I thought you were, you were anti-corruption. I thought you wanted, like, some honesty. I thought you wanted something to actually change. And then I realized one day, years and years ago, oh, it's not really about being anti-corruption. It's not really wanting change. It's about political identification. And it's about whether or not your side is winning or your side is losing and what you're willing to do about it. So I want to ask you this, Charlie. A lot of people say that they will not take a vaccine. A lot of people say that they will not participate In the rollout of this global medical authoritarian technocracy. However, history shows us that most people, despite their vocalizing of refusals to participate, you know, that they will participate because the consequences of not participating are far greater than the consequences of getting that vaccine or of acquiescing to whatever it is that the authorities are demanding you to acquiesce to. Usually it's a a volunteer thing, though, but you do have a gun to your head. For me, though, when I say I'm not acquiescing, I'm not acquiescing, period. I'm not wearing a mask. I'm not getting a vaccine. Now, I'm going to say something that might make some people uncomfortable. I am full throttle, 100% not going to participate meaning that i might end up in jail or i might have a bullet put in my head that's how i choose to deal with it because i will not back down or stand down i know most people because of the consequences family friends they will inevitably back down where do you stand on that charlie i'm not saying to tell me exactly like what you would do in a particular situation but how do you feel about this how do you feel about the law of consequences and how how we are willing to fight when it's easy but when it actually comes time to join it it's like we're willing to go to practice but we don't want to play the play the game
1: i'm on I'm on your team on this one and and'm I agree with you it may it may rub some people the wrong way I'm not participating in this you guys can have your masks and you guys can do your vaccines and you can do all that stuff i understand what's going on here and that actually might you know, that might work in my disadvantage because a lot of this, you know, once you wake up to this insanity, you you can never go back to sleep to to it. And you sometimes kind of wish you could. It would certainly make life a whole lot easier. There's no you know, there's no respect for someone that wants to go back to sleep, but I mean, I get it. I get it It, from time to time. It'd just be easier to forget about all this stuff. But if you're going to roll out this mandatory vaccination program, which is where this is going, we just have to look, you know, a couple steps ahead. Um, I, you're, you're going to have to do it at the barrel of a gun for a lot of people. Now, certainly I think a large segment of the population will go along to get along they're, they're people that consider themselves to be good people. They will convince themselves or they will see it as them doing their part to make sure that they're not in, you know, that they can't get sick because they don't want to spread it to other people. A very noble approach. I understand like that, that they're more concerned about others than they are themselves. I respect that in terms of, you know, putting putting others ahead of of yourself. That is a a noble way to behave. But you've got to know that there's more to this story than that. And you're walking into a trap if you do this. Now, I've had these conversations with people with regard to just vaccines in general. And one of the parallels I make to people, I find that this this sets it in, in a context that Really, kind of makes a whole lot of sense, you know. I I would never allow my daughter. Well, not that. Well, let's just say I had a son. I would never allow my son to go on a camping trip with a Catholic priest. And part of the reason why I wouldn't do that is because I know the reputation of the Catholic Church of having deep ties to pedophilia and these priests in in particular, or or even now, Boy
3: Scouts for that matter, right?
1: Right. Exactly. So I'm looking, so if I ask someone, would you, would you let your son go on a camping trip with a, with a Catholic priest overnight for a weekend? The answer is absolutely not. Well, why is that? Well, because I know that they have a big problem with pedophilia and they've paid out billions of dollars to settle claims against priests that have done that. So we know that, but what people don't realize is that the vaccine industry has paid out more money than the Catholic Church to settle claims for their product screwing up kids for the rest of their lives. $4.2 billion they've paid out, which is more than the Catholic Church has paid out. And people don't know that. They're under the assumption that vaccine equals magical immunity and protection from everything with no downside, no, no possible side effects. There's nothing but... Yeah. You know, if you don't, you know, if you're somebody that's not vaccinating your kids, either you're stupid or you're one of those people that's like, I'm just going to put it in God's hands and hope for the best. You're one of these things. And that is not the anti-vax community. I'm sure there's a segment of it that that thinks like that, but the vast majority of the the anti-vax community are not anti-science. They're pro-science. They're pro-research they're looking into this before they blindly inject something into their body or their kid's body. They want to know what's going on. And when you start doing that, what you find is that these vaccines have some real dangerous side effects. And this is no secret. They changed the law in 1986 to make the vaccine manufacturers Immune to prosecute, to liability lawsuits. And then they created this VARES court. So, really, that $4.2 billion uh, is being doled out by a vaccine court that's really run by the uh, Department of Health and Human Services and the Department of Justice to institutions that you cannot trust at all. And really, that $4.2 billion should be multiples higher than that if it was a real, accurate, normal court of law where you could challenge them uh, and say, your product caused harm to me or my family members. That number if, if would I be a hundred times bigger if I can, than that.
3: If I can interrupt you, I've read that the numbers of for people who apply for vaccine damage funds, I think it's as of 2017— somewhere around there they they've only paid out 36% of the claims so only thir- that and that and that is still yeah billions of dollars to 36% so you're right and the numbers would be astronomically higher
1: and the the money that's paid out doesn't actually come from big pharma it comes from 75 cents on every vaccine that you pay for It gets put into this pot that gets then doled out and they cap what you can receive and once you receive any money They put a gag order on you as a condition of receiving that money That if you speak out about it about how your child was damaged and you received two hundred and fifty thousand dollars They then have the right to come after you and claw back ten times that amount so you don't see a whole lot of It's it's done in a way that silences people from going out and talking about it even more so with the context of that with understanding what the vaccine industry really is and how much money they make and how much damage and carnage is in their wake, I'm just going to, what, blindly trust that a rushed through vaccine put out by Bill Gates is going to, A, save me, and B, be safe? I mean, part of me, the cynical part of me, feels like, you know, if you're that dumb, then go for it. You know, this is this is kind of, you know, sort of what you get. But then I pull back and I think, well, I don't want that on people. I don't want to be the person that's like, you know, (laughs) I don't want to be the person that's yelling at you in the grocery store. I hope you get COVID-19 and you die for not wearing your mask. I don't want to be that guy. So what I really want is people to be educated about this, about the backstory of the vaccine industry. Now, the media and the government and Gates, and Fauci, and the World Health Organization, and the CDC, they're all going to sell this vaccine as the solution to the problem. Now, we know it's not the solution to the problem, but for people that either don't have the, the mental horsepower or the time to dig into this, they're just going to hear that and assume that they're right, that it is that it is the magical elixir that's coming to save everyone. And that's a very, very dangerous place to be. Because they're the authorities.
3: Then- they're the authorities, Charlie. So they have to know what they're talking about.
1: It's that assumption. Yeah, you would assume that we grow up our whole life having to listen to authority figures, the cops, you know, your teacher, your boss, all these people, they tell you what to do. They're above you. They know how it works. You listen to them. This is how you this is how you navigate society and life. You listen to the authority figures. They keep you on this track. And that is, you know, that works against you When, when you've got something like this, where it's in your best interest to be a critical thinker, to take two steps back and go, okay, let me assess the situation, let me gather as much information as I can on all of this, the pros and the cons, and then let me make a decision. That's all wiped out. It's all wiped out on, on a couple levels. Like I said for earlier, it's wiped out because you're making a decision from a, uh, a fear-based perspective, which is always dangerous. You're then also listening to authoritative sources, which is part of the reason why YouTube and the social media um platforms want to get rid of anybody that's not authoritative sources, whatever dystopian (laughs) definition you want to put on that. Um, (laughs) So we've, we've, they're trying to suppress your ability to research and figure out for yourself. And you, so you have to ask the question, why is that? Why don't they want us thinking? Well, because they've got plans for us that if we knew what they were we would not go on. We would not get on board with this whole program. And it comes down to something that is very controversial. It's very real, but it's also, it's very, it's tough to have this conversation with people because they inevitably, you know, roll their eyes. When you start to talk about a depopulation agenda, it sounds far-fetched. It sounds like some something, you you know, it sounds like some YouTube video that you'd watch with some guy that's been huffing paint in and his and garage. I'm, sure, I'm and, sure you can find we, it, too. <laughs> <laughs> and so, we 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 want, you know, we go, depopulation? Is that is that a thing? Well, the answer is it is a thing. And not only is it a thing, the people that are really pushing it are very vocal about it. You've got guys like, um, John P. Holdren, who was Obama's science czar, writing um, a book. Eco science, 19- right?
3: That eco that? That science book
1: you got it in 1977. And one of the things that he talked about in that was adding sterilants to the water. He was talking about adding a, putting an injection in women that prevented them from getting pregnant. And then when they became, you know, when they got to a certain age, they could petition the government to have it removed, or they could buy a license to have it removed and all these, and you're, you're listening to this and you're going, you know, this sounds like something you might say to your buddy. If you were like, you know, drinking Jägermeister all night. You you let it slip one time. <laughs> that You wanted to reduce the world's population. You certainly wouldn't put it in a book. And then you certainly wouldn't become Obama's science are. But you have to wonder like, OK, you don't think Obama knows exactly who this guy is. Well, of course he did. And That's he, why and he's he appointed it into this world. You know, Bill Gates is involved in the same thing as well. Why is he coming to the forefront? Ted Turner pushing for this. George Soros talking about this. Bill Clinton talking about this. Prince Philip talking. I mean, all of these people are all talking about one. They've got one thing. There's too many people on their planet, and they'd like for most of them to go away.
3: There you go. That's it. And, There's too many people on their planet, not our planet. It's their planet. That's the perspective. That's the elitist, globalist perspective, Charlie.
1: Yeah, and it's dangerous because, you know what? I'm not one of them. I'm a good person. I'm a nice person. I want what's best for as many people around me as possible. I want good things. And I don't want the world depopulated. I don't, I, I listen, I look, I've never been to India. I've been to China, I, but I look at India and I see, aspects of their society where there's a lot of people and there's a lot of poverty and it's, you know, and there's slums and, and they're living on $2 a day and I have empathy for those people. I don't want them dead. It doesn't do, why would I, why would I care? Why would I want them dead? What, what, what would that do for me? So it's, so we're, we're at a disadvantage for the vast majority of us because when you start talking about depopulation, you, you, you just say, that can't be real because I I would never think to do that. Therefore, you're projecting your your beliefs onto these globalist maniacs and you're saying I would never do that. Therefore, they would never so do that. So they would never and, do that, right? And that's a dangerous place to come from because as we know, they want different things from us. They see things differently. Um, so I, I think it's I think we're gonna have a, a hard time. I think we're going to have a hard time educating people to what the big, big plan, what the grand plan is. We get aspects of it. We've had vaccinations or we get stay in home and we, you know, we see some of this, but tying it all together to what is the big plan? Well, the big plan is this, the people that are running this planet would prefer that there weren't as many of us here and they can do that a number of ways. They can outright kill us which they don't have a problem doing, they can sterilize us so that there's not another generation, which they're hard at work doing. By the way, the World Health Organization was busted in 2014 in Kenya, putting sterilants in the tetanus vaccine. Now, they oh, yeah. denied it at first, but they later admitted to it. And not only did they admit to it, they admitted they'd been doing it for 10 years. And it wasn't just done in um, in Kenya. It also was done in... Um, uh, oh, what were the plant? Uh, what were the? I've got a list of it here. Let me find it here for you. All right, all right. There's a, a variety of 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 play. You know, of countries that that uh, you go. Well, you know, and
3: they're I ster- don't think sterilizing it's, women.
1: They're sterilizing women, and it's a huge problem because, well, so the World Health Organization is telling us that we've got to do this. That Tanzania was another one of them. Um, the Philippines was 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 another country. Um, so the world health organization is the one that's going to tell us that we all have to take the vaccine. Okay. Who's the world health organization? Well, we know they're a globalist health front that's connected to the United Nations and the Rockefeller Institute. Well, they're, they're up to no good for sure. But what's their history? What's their history with vaccines? Well, their history with vaccines is appalling, (laughs) including them admitting they're adding sterilants to the vaccine. So right there, automatic disqualification in my book, but, but God forbid. You question the World Health Organization to your friends, family or social media people. You are instantly called a science denier. You're somebody that once again wants to kill grandma. You're you're a you're a you know, you're a, a conspiracy theorist or all the man. It's like. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm a conspiracy analyst. And this is a conspiracy that they were involved in. And I'm analyzing it. And the analysis of this is that the World Health Organization admitted to putting sterilants in their vaccines, and yet they want to be the ones to roll out the vaccines for the United States. And I just have a big, huge problem with that, rightfully so. Well,
3: what well, the WHO and the United Nations, think about the UN's Agenda 2030 and their 17 Goals to Sustainability. It's all about safety and security and equality. Yet who is the who or any other person or group, small or large, that they get to decide who gets sterilized and who doesn't? That doesn't sound very equitable to me. It sounds like the very opposite of equitable. That sounds like people in positions of power deciding who lives and who dies based on the perception of health, freedom, freedom and making sure that you live in a more equal society. It's a total inversion of reality, Charlie. We're going to keep this conversation going after this last break, very short break. We'll be right back with Charlie Robinson right here on The Secret Teachings. Something to think about on break is that a lot of us, what we think is that even if there is a depopulation plan— Even if there are eugenicists who are operating in plain view. It won't be me who dies. I don't have to worry about anything. We all think that. It won't be me. That won't happen to me. This could never happen. It won't happen to me. It can happen to you. It is happening to us. Even as a byproduct of negligence. Even as a byproduct of, of ignorance. Chemicals and water toxins in the environment, just from simple pollution, cause enough harm to us. And we don't even think about those kinds of things. We're more focused on climate change rather than pollution. We're more focused on viruses rather than nutrition. This is a perception that needs to change if any lasting change is going to be enacted. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. More after this with Charlie Robinson. If you're looking for something to do while you're quarantined or locked down at home, check out www.thesecretteachings.info for our entire show archive. There you'll find every single broadcast after it airs, and you can download and stream every single one of those shows with great guests and timeless subjects. Right now it's only $35 for a one-year subscription to the archive and a free copy of one of my books with free shipping in the United States. It supports The Secret Teachings, The Fringe FM, and it supports you. You can also check out my three books independently, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and The Technological Elixir. Read reviews and see the books at www.thesecretteachings.info. Whether you subscribe, purchase a book, or you simply listen to the show five nights a week, it's a great way to stay informed and to be entertained. Again, that's www.thesecretteachings.info thesecretteachings.info or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings and shoot us an email at rdgable at yahoo.com
0: You are listening to The Secret Teachings with your host Ryan Gable. To contact Ryan, email rdgable at yahoo.com
2: Hi, Jeremy Scott here from Into the Paranormal, and I'm back live Saturdays at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on The Fringe FM.
0: I'm Clyde Lewis from Ground Zero Radio, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. But no, I really appreciate being on your show, and you ask great questions and have a dialogue, and not every show does that. This is Linda Godfrey, author of Monsters Among Us. My website is lyndagodfrey.com, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable.
3: I'm Ryan Gable, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings right here on The Fringe FM. Thefringe.fm is the network website, our website. Is www.thesecretteachings.info. If you go there today and subscribe to the archive, it's only $35, and you get a one-year subscription with that subscription and one copy of one of my books. It's a free copy with the subscription, and it's free shipping in the United States. We do ship overseas, though. costs a little bit more because of, obviously, the international rates. Just check it out on the website, www.thesecretteachings.info, or you can find my books, Occult Arcana Food Philosophy and The Technological Elixir, all available on the website, or email us if you have any questions or comments about the show, rdgable at yahoo.com. That's rdgable at yahoo.com. Our guest this evening, our friend Charlie Robinson, is with us, the octopus of globalcontrol.com. The octopus of global control. That's what we began talking about tonight the octopus, the analogy of the octopus, but also about the real life nature of the octopus in relationship to its alien tendencies, its ability to cloak itself, its ability to act in very sophisticated ways by human perception, that is. And we see that there are groups of people, there are individuals who likewise act in similar ways to an octopus. And they're able to cloak themselves, like Bill Gates, for example, in his little pink sweater, giggling on television and acting like he doesn't. At least I don't know. It's got to be like once every interview, he smiles when someone says "death," and he has he has got this grin, this smirk, and he says things like, "Well, you know, one in uh, you know a couple hundred thousand are going to die of the vaccine, but if we give it to seven billion people, it'll save more than it kills." will save a lot of people. It'll kill about a million people. So I think he estimated about 700,000 people would have adverse reactions, and as part of that adverse reaction, perhaps die from the vaccine. And yet, no, that's just it's a perfectly acceptable side effect to protecting the rest of the world. It's really disgusting that anybody supports this individual, that anybody supports that agenda. And a lot of it just comes from ignorance. A lot of it comes from the thought that it won't be me. I won't be the one that dies. I won't be the one, you know. But, you know, if you had like, I don't know, if you broke it down like this, if you just had a glass of water and someone said you've got a one in, I mean, it could be a 1,000, it could be 10,000 chance of drinking that water and dying because, you know, we, we, we poisoned one of these glasses with a very toxic chemical, and if you drink it, you'll die. Uh, I mean, you put it that directly, a lot of people probably wouldn't drink the water. But if you remove the perspective and the context, it's always something that's happening in another country. It's always something that's happening on TV. That's a different world. It's not happening in my world. It'll never be me. You know, we and have, we have way too much focus on things like climate change and global warming. We don't think much about pollution. I mean, there are many people who do, but those groups are overridden by the climate change groups. They're hijacked. We think more about a virus than we do about nutrition. I just read this thing, Charlie. It's pretty it's pretty laughable at this point. There's a study that came out from uh, Trinity College, Dublin, and they've looked at COVID-19 patients, which is invariably defined as people who got bit by a snake to people that had a cough, and they're saying most of the people that are sick are severely vitamin D deficient. Yeah, that's why you have a flu season, because most people get sick when they don't get the proper amount of UV light. And if they don't get that UV light, and they're not taking vitamin D supplements, they're going to get sick. If you have the vitamin D and other vitamins and a proper nutritious diet, you're not going to get sick. So of course, people that are sick are deficient in vitamins. And it's like this this revolutionary thing. Oh my God, if we had vitamins, we'd be healthy. Of course you will. Of course you will. And it solves all the problems, including the question of vaccination. You don't need a vaccine. You never needed a vaccine. Just eat a nutritious diet. I don't know, Charlie, are we really that lazy that we'd rather eat terribly and then take a vaccine and chemical medication? Wouldn't it just be easier and cheaper to take care of ourselves from the get-go? I don't know. That's just my personal pet peeve.
1: Of course it would be, but that's how you can tell that this is a gigantic scam because if it was really about health, then on the nightly news every night, they would be saying, we've got this infection that's going around everywhere, this virus that's killing people. We don't have a vaccine for it yet, but in the meantime, what you should do, Load up on vitamins, take vitamin D, take zinc, get out in the sun, get yourself healthy, start to exercise, do these. We know these things help your body, their immune, the immune system and helps it fight off. Do all of these things. Do that as much as you can while we work on this vaccine. But that's not what we hear. We don't hear any of that. In fact, not only do we not hear any of that, we get, uh, told that if you start talking about alternative solutions to this they deplatform you. If you want to talk about um how vitamin D is a, is a benefit to you, they will throw you off of YouTube for that. That's crazy. So I, you know, I I just I, I feel like this is this is part of the reason, you know part of the way you can tell that there's a a much more sinister agenda to it because if if it was about health, they'd be talking to you about alternatives to improving your health. But they're not. They're in fact, they're talking they're shutting down the things that can make you healthy. You're not allowed to go to the gym. You're not allowed to go outside and go in the sun. You're not allowed to go go to go on the beach, you know, go to the beach, the beaches incredibly healthy for you. Just the ionization of the, the air and the water around you. It's everything about that is good for you. They don't want you to do any of that. So you have to question, why is that? And by the way, when Bill Gates is smiling and smirking about all of this, that's a psychological condition known as duping delight. That's what you get when you hear it, when you get the, the, the crisis actors come out and get on, on camera and they start talking about how horrible it was they lost their daughter and they crack a big smile. it's because they know they're lying to you. They know they're setting you up. They know something you don't know. And it's making them smirk. And they can't even contain it because they're so proud of themselves. So Bill Gates, you know, Bill Gates talks about how, oh, maybe we would have 700,000 adverse reactions if we gave it to 7 billion people. Well, let me just say this, that in 2010, the Gates Foundation and GlaxoSmithKline's, their malaria vaccine was given to almost 6000 children and of those 6000 children a little over 1000 of them became paralyzed and 151 of them died uh that doesn't sound like a 1 in a million type of of reaction to me that sounds like 1 in 6 is getting hurt and you know 151 out of 6000 are turning up dead that that is a that's not a price that i think we are willing to pay that, that's murder this. This, that's murder it's murder Let's yeah. call it what it is, Ryan. It's murder, and they keep getting—you know—they keep getting busted for these sorts of things. Um, you know, his. It, and I know that people say, "Well, you—you you know, you're you're hard on Bill Gates, and and he's just this guy. He's trying to save the planet, and he's trying." Okay, let's go back to the legendary TED talk that he gave that everyone has talked. Well, all of us that we've been talking about for years and years and years where he stands on that stage and he's got an equation behind him on the big screen. And he says, if we do a really good job with our vaccination programs, we ought to be able to lower that number, meaning global population, by about 10 or 15 percent. So we're talking about a billion people. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Vaccines are supposed to make you healthier, prevent you from dying from these diseases. If he does a good job with his vaccination program, shouldn't that number be going up by 15%, not down by 15%? Now, this is, this is an admission on a stage in front of cameras and an audience that's been played millions and millions of times. This, isn't a, this wasn't a slip, he didn't slip up and accidentally let the cat out of the bag. He told you this is what they wanna do. Like, when are we going to listen to him? When are we going to drag Bill Gates down to the police station and beat him with a rubber hose until he confesses to being involved in a vast conspiracy to kill a billion people? I mean, what are we doing? You what don't aren't f- we do- Why aren't we taking this seriously? Yeah, I yeah. mean, I know we in the alternative media have been sounding the alarm on this for a very long time. But what's it going to take to wake people up to this? Yeah, then you get that attitude of, oh, you're promoting violence. You're promoting violence. It's like today I w- I was
3: listening to a conversation at the part time job I have, I, and I enjoy my job, but I've had some problems there recently because of the mask thing because I'm refusing to wear it, and there was someone having a similar conversation with one of the, the one of the delivery people that bring the, uh, the the pallets, and they were saying that they're not wearing a mask either, and so this conversation ensued with an employee two employees, but one employee wanted to wear the mask and thought that this person should wear the mask. And they're sitting there talking, and they said, well, I don't want to wear the mask because I feel like it makes me less safe. And The other person said, well, I, I, I wear the mask because I think it makes me more safe. And I'm listening to this, and I'm thinking, I wonder which one, if either of them have any evidence or proof to support whether it makes you more safe or less safe. And I was thinking that because I had a conversation with my managers who asked me about the mask situation because they were getting complaints about me. And I said to them, I said, one, I feel uncomfortable wearing it. My mask makes it harder to breathe because I've tried it. And that puts me at risk of not having the right amount of oxygen, considering the fact that I sometimes have some heart problems and lung problems. I have a little bit of a history of that. It's gotten better with diet, but I have a little issue there. So I think it's making me more susceptible to feeling ill, you know? And they told me, yeah, but you could get other people sick. And I said, well, how could I get other people sick? And they said, well, you could be asymptomatic. And so what I did, Charlie, was I said, okay, how would I be asymptomatic? How do you know that? And they said, well, that's what the scientists, that's what the authorities are saying. You could be asymptomatic. And I said, yeah, I, I could be a lot of things. I, I, I could also be carrying a chemical weapon with me right now, right? I could, I could be a lot of things. I said, but that study that you're talking about was a German study. I, I always come well prepared, Charlie. I'm ready to go. And oh, I, I know you do. <laughs> I know you do too. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to go, so I'm, I lay it down. I say, well, this is a study from Science Magazine. It's a publication, and they show that the original German study on asymptomatic delivery was flawed. And they looked at it and said, yeah, but you could still get other people sick because you're asymptomatic. And I said, y- you didn't look at the paper. Look a little closer. The study was flawed. it They didn't even talk to the people who were sick. They just assumed that they had transmitted it. That's in the official report. So there's no evidence of asymptomatic transmission. And even if there was, if I am healthy and I am eating a nutritious diet, and I am always washing my hands and making sure my environment's clean. That's how I always live. Not totally sterile, but I clean things. I take care of myself. I'm in a better position not to get sick than the people wearing masks who are doing a number of things. One, they're not eating a nutritious diet. That makes them susceptible to getting sick, not my existence without a mask. And two, they're wearing a mask. And I told the person, my manager talking to me, I said, how many times have you touched your mask since we've sat down here? He said, I don't know. And I said, I've counted. You've touched your mask over two dozen times. You are sitting there touching your mask, touching other things, touching your mask. I've touched my mask zero times. So, because I don't have a mask, I touched my face zero times sitting here. I said, you are touching your face and touching other things. That's another thing that makes you sick. Don't you see Along with the scientific evidence, I had a British medical journal and some other things I set before them and showed them. And despite all the evidence, all the information, their response was, no, this is what authorities want us to do, so we'd like you to do it. And I said, but these are still, I mean, the British medical journal, very prestigious. These are medical authorities, too. These are authorities. Why are you not listening to them? Well, that's not what Dr. Fauci said. And it's just like, I I don't even know what to do, Charlie. It's like, you know what, you want to play, you know what, it's going to be like idiocracy. You want to play that game, I can't have a reasonable conversation with you, then here's the deal. If other people are uncomfortable with me not having a mask, I'm uncomfortable with them having a mask. Let's make it a matter of principle. Their opinion, my opinion, just as valid. And that seemed to get through more so than all the actual evidence I showed. I don't know what that is, buddy.
1: Well, it's an interesting thing that happens, and I kind of describe it like the way when you watch the Olympics and you watch downhill skiing. The first skier that goes down, their time is the is set, that's first place. It's the lead time. Everybody else is sat, you know, has to beat that time, and it's like that with the official narrative. The first narrative that's thrown out there, whether it is crazy, like. 19 Arab hijackers armed with box cutters flew four planes wildly off course, and then crashed them into buildings. It doesn't even matter how preposterous the story is. As long as it's the first one and it comes from an official source, like the mainstream media, every other opinion story set of facts is saddled with the responsibility of trying to knock that first story off the, the, the top of the heap. And, people take the first story they hear and they they just grab onto it and they don't want to let go because that is how they initially use, they use that information to shape their view of this current situation that's how they've anchored themselves into it that's how it is this is how everything works i'm going to tie myself to that and then anything that anything contrary to that gets gets knocked out of the way. The people will defend the initial story so hard without even checking to see if if, if it's based in reality. It's a fascinating and weird uh, situation that happens all the time. And we've got to get people, first of all, we've got to get people to stop looking at the mainstream corporate whore media as some sort of authority on anything. They are not on your side. They don't want what's best for you. They're selling an agenda. The people you might like, hey, Anderson Cooper's nice. He seems like a sweet guy. Anderson Cooper is reading a script, okay? He's reading a script. It came from his boss. If he goes off of that script, he will be fired. You know, for if he goes off of it for too long. I mean, there's little ways you can get a little flexibility here and there. But if Anderson Cooper, let's just say, all of a sudden decides that. Tonight, on this broadcast, he's going to do a deep dive into the dangers of vaccines. He just decides that. He's going to do that. Tomorrow morning, the president of Merck will be in Jeff Zucker, the president of CNN's office, threatening to pull $2 billion worth of advertising until he gets a hold of his guy, Anderson Cooper, and tells him to shut the hell up. So if you think that you're going to turn on your nightly news— and get an accurate version of reality you're already at a disadvantage you're fooling yourself it's not going to happen they have an agenda they may tell you that the weather that it's going to rain tomorrow and then tomorrow it rains and you go well i got that from the news <laughs> and but yeah. and they may and they may do a story that that they that the fireman rescued a kitten from a tree and it's great and we're going to end it on that no it's all uplifting and everything but you know they're going to lie to you about all the other important things. They're going to lie they're going to lie to you about Syria, they're going to lie to you about China, they're going to lie to you about the 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 virus situation because that's what they do. Because they read scripts and they follow the agenda that is given to them from above. So it's tempting to say, well, I want to get my news from an official source because we 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 uh, associate official with being accurate and that's not the case all, all the time um, sometimes the official source is just the official lie and, and that's all it is it's just the official lie <laughs> that is being told it's not any more true that if you get it from somebody you know if somebody gets the information from you they may discount it because you're not on MSNBC I'm not an authority. T- like if you were saying the same things on MSNBC, they'd believe you, <laughs> whereas if they hear you on The Secret Teachings, they'd go, mm, I don't know, it sounds fishy yeah, to me. E-
3: even, even with the weight of physical evidence, and that's, that's what's just astounding to me. Going back to the critical thinking, again, it, it, if we don't have that, I guess it doesn't matter how much evidence you're showing to the contrary. And that, that thing you brought up earlier, we don't have too, too much time left, but that thing you brought up earlier about science denial— that's another one of the things that that I've gotten into into with people about the mask thing. They're they're like, "Well, you know, you could get people sick." And I say, "Well, how am I going to get people sick?" "Well, you could." I mean, you know, and they don't go directly to this, but they're like, "What are you denying science?" And it's it's like, "What do you mean denying science?" "I'm I'm reading the medical journals where they're saying, "Don't wear a mask for a long period of time. It's actually more toxic to your body. It's damaging to your lungs. Don't wear a mask." And yet, they're the ones that are talking about how they love science. It's like you want a paycheck, but you don't want to go to work. You want, you, you, you want a championship ring, but you don't want to go to practice, and you don't want to go to the games, and you don't want to participate. You want, you want to be a scientist, but you don't actually want to do any of the work. And it's just right. it's that it's, I see a parallel in this to, you know, the groups, Charlie, you've seen the protesters or whatever they're doing, demonstrators, protesters, and they're like, you know, we just want to go back to work. And 99% of them are not Trump supporters per se or QAnon conspiracy theorists or anything of a political nature. They're just Americans that are like, I got to pay my bills. I got to, I want to go back to work. You know, I got to feed my family, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's funny because the people that want to go back to work and they want to build something, they want to create something, they want to see their friends, they want to see their family, they want to be a part of a community, they just want to get back to a relatively normal life. And the people that want to stay inside, not produce, they want to have everything handed to them, they want to stay under lockdown, are telling the people that want to go out and produce and they want to be productive, they want to be a part of society. They're telling them that they're fascists. Have you heard that? You're a fascist yeah. because you don't want you don't want to be, you know, locked down. Get back inside. You're a fascist for going outside. It's like it's completely reversed, Charlie.
1: They're not fascists. They're people that are doing risk assessment. They're saying, okay, the percentage the chance of me dying from this disease is X percent, uh, the chance of me losing my life savings, losing my business that I've built and starving to death, that's higher than catching this virus. Therefore I'm willing to take my chances. I'll go out there and get, I want to get back to work because I might catch the virus. I might, but if I don't go to work, if I don't get my business back up and running, I will definitely be broke and i will definitely be sick and i will probably be in a worse position from that so it's not it's not fascism it's not inconsiderate uh, behavior towards everybody listen if you're if you're still scared of this whole thing then you can stay in your house nobody's telling you you have to come outside stay in your house stay in your house forever as far as i care i mean if it makes you feel bad. listen if you're honestly compromised, you have issues with your health and you're afraid of this, well, okay, do what you need to do. But frankly, you should have been doing it every single flu season because Bingo. you're just as susceptible to the flu. I mean, we're, we're, we're pr- probably talking about a similar thing. Now, I'm not a scientist. I don't know the ins and outs of whether or not this is the flu, whether it's a a, a more dangerous version of the flu somewhere in between I don't know the answer to that, but I do know that the The models and the panic that was sold to us uh, is not matching up with the reality Fraudulent. And I knew it wasn't going to um, Because I know I know how the media and the government when they get together I know how they work they they their weapon of choice is disinformation and fear and they're very good at using it to sway uh, the decision-making of the population and they don't have to get everybody to believe it they don't have to get everybody on board they just have to get enough people on board to make it socially unacceptable for you to go against the the, the masses and then they'll let the social peer pressure take hold and do its thing at that point point. and that's what they've done they've created this system where where everybody is watching each other um, and, and we've walked, we've walked into this, this trap and we're at, and we're, and we're coming you know, one of the things I, that I, I, that, that I noticed and, and I, it, this is a projection of mine and, and you may or may not agree with it. But when I started to see the, uh, placement of first responders, like nurses and doctors on pedestals where they were applauded or people were going out on their balcony and banging pots and pans at eight o'clock every, every I thought, this is so unorganic. You know, this is such a, such a contrived thing that what is the setup for? And it occurred to me you're going to put these people on a pedestal the same way in 2002 and 2003. You put the troops on a pedestal, you know, support the troops, yellow ribbons, flags on your cars, all these things, support your veterans when they come home. Oh, we have to, you know, yeah, you want to get on an airplane, baby, you know, families traveling with small children and military active duty military, please board the plane first. There are heroes. This deification of these people, and I see it happening with the nurses and doctors and the and I'm thinking the reason why they're putting them on the pedestal is to give them superhero status so that you don't question them, because when the mandatory vaccinations come, who's going to be administering them? Those people, those heroes of yours that are on the pedestal that you've been clapping for every single night, they wouldn't do you wrong. They're heroes. You clap for them. They're the first responders. We love them. They would never give you an injection or something that might harm you. It's
3: conditioning, conditioning. And, And maybe if not nurses and doctors, maybe the military. Here's what Donald Trump had to say about that earlier.
0: Yeah, I think we're going to have a vaccine by the end of the year. We're doing very well with the vaccine. And I will tell you something. I just literally left a meeting. We're mobilizing our military and other forces, but we're mobilizing our military on the basis that we do have a vaccine. You know, it's a massive job to give this vaccine. Our military is now being mobilized. So at the end of the year, we're going to be able to give it to a lot of people very, very.
3: Give it to a lot of people very, very rapidly. So. Charlie Robertson, our guest tonight. Lots of things going on, Charlie. Masks. We can't see each other's faces. Social distancing. We're not supposed to get close to each other. The New York Times reported that, uh, well, if you're a man, you should take estrogen to protect yourself. And they're saying in NBC, CNBC News that you shouldn't have sex because sperm contains the coronavirus. And you put all this stuff together with robot dogs and machines and contact tracing. And this is a dystopian nightmare. The only way of which we can prevent ourselves from falling into a deeper, nightmarish slumber is by becoming aware of it. It is not negative. It is only negative if we acquiesce to the terrors and to the horrors of authoritarianism, believing that this will actually save us, because it doesn't. It destroys you and everybody else in the end. Charlie, thank you so much for joining us this evening.
1: Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it anytime.
3: Yep. What's the website?
1: The website's TheOctopusOfGlobalControl.com. My book is available there in digital format from me. If you like the paperback, you can get it at Amazon or Barnes and Noble, and my podcast is called Macro Aggressions, available wherever podcasts are served, and also on David Icke's iconic video platform.
3: Excellent. Charlie Robinson, The Octopus of Global Control. We'll have to have you ba- I'll have you back again somewhat soon. Time just goes perceptually so fast. I don't know if you know what we talked about tonight. It was a blur. Go back and listen to it myself. The show will be in the archive at thesecretteachings.info. Again, Charlie Robinson. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings on the Fringe FM. Facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings. RD Gable at Yahoo.com. Stay safe, stay informed, and we'll talk to you in the next broadcast.